0: Good evening, First Norfolk. Thank you for joining with us tonight as we continue our journey through the book of Acts. Uh, Go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 15. We're gonna begin in verse 36 all the way to chapter 16, verse five. While you're turning there, just remind you that this weekend at First Norfolk, after every worship gathering, we're gonna have a a time of gathering and celebration, a cookout uh, on the grounds It's our July 4th celebration. It's also a time for all of us to get together in ways that we haven't been in over a year. So I want to encourage you just to join us, even uh, if it's just for a few moments. Let's take the time and gather together and celebrate the community that God has given us as the family called First Norfolk. Uh, I've been married for 30 years. In a couple of weeks, Edie and I are going to celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary, Uh, We're going to get away, and I want to encourage you to pray for Edie and me as we're away for a little bit, uh, as we uh, just celebrate the glorious gift that God has given us in 30 years of marriage. One of the things I've learned in those 30 years of marriage, I used to be uh, very intent on grand gestures in marriage but I wasn't as intent on the practical matters in marriage. So I would write a grand, uh, uh, epic poem of love to Edie, uh, while really what she wanted was for me to mop the floor and take out the trash. I learned over the years that the practical matters in marriage are essential. Grand gestures are good, uh, but they're only good as we deal with the Practical matters, practical matters like taking out the trash, mopping the floor, doing the dishes, uh, calling in the middle of the day just to check in, simple things that uh, are practical in marriage just to uh, strengthen the, the intimacy ties that you have as husband and wife. Practical matters are very important. In Acts 15, verse 36 and following, we're looking at the practical matters that God has given the church. As we fulfill our calling, uh, there are practical matters that we need to take care of and we need to recognize. These practical matters uh, are spelled out in this uh, summary statement, kind of a bridge passage between uh, the first missionary journey, then the Jerusalem council in Acts chapter 15 that we looked at on Sunday. And then the second missionary journey as Paul makes his way to Macedonia. Uh, these bri- this bridge passage that we're going to look at tonight uh, details some of the practical matters of a church fulfilling the calling that God has given us. Now, let's, let's go back and let's understand the why of the church. Let's understand the why of the church is to bring glory to God, that Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5 says, For the love of Christ constrains us, for we judge thusly that if one died for all, then all have died, and He, Jesus, died for all, so that we who live should live no longer for ourselves, but for Him who died for us and rose again. The, the, the why of the church is to live for God and His glory, to take our greatest pleasure in His pleasure. That's the Why? Uh, The what that we do is the fulfillment of the calling that Jesus gives the church. The reason the church, our family called First Norfolk, uh, exists here in the seven cities of Hampton Roads is spelled out in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus, just before he ascends to the right hand of the throne of God, he says, and you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be witnesses for me in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria and to the utmost parts of the earth we're to be witnesses for Jesus. We are called by Christ as the church to tell others who Jesus is. Now, as we've followed the the pathway of that first church in Jerusalem in Acts chapter 2 and 3 and 4 and 5, uh, how the church uh, uh, exploded uh, with uh, new followers. And, and then in Acts chapter 6, how they took care of uh, division. In Acts chapter 7, how they dealt with martyrdom. And, and then Acts chapter 8, how they began to spread the gospel beyond the, the city and the region of Jerusalem into Judea, over into Samaria. Acts chapter 9, the conversion of Saul. Uh, who was a persecutor and now propagator of the good news of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 10, Peter goes to Cornelius and shares the gospel. Acts chapter 11, the church at Antioch is birthed, and they begin this uh, burgeoning mission to tell all of Asia Minor the good news of Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 12 and 13, Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey uh, into Antioch Pisidia and Lystra and Derby and Iconium, and then in Acts chapter uh, fifteen, the Jerusalem Council, where they come to terms with the fact that uh, that there is a common ground between Jewish and Gentile believers. but uh, the important thing to remember is that uh, as as the church moves forward, they are called by Christ, To share the gospel and the only foundation for salvation, the only requirement of being part of the family of God is not your Jewishness, but rather it is uh, God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ who died for sinners upon a cross and who was raised from the dead. Now at the end of chapter 15, where Paul and Barnabas have received the Jerusalem decree uh, and now they're going back uh, to Antioch to uh, tell the story of of this great uh, decree that bridges the distance uh, between a Gentile world and the gospel. We pick up the story of how the church begins to take on practical matters. And the very first practical matter that the church needs to take care of is, uh, and that we need to embrace today is that in the midst of all that growth, in the midst of all that evangelism, in the midst of all those new churches being birthed in Lystra and Derby and Iconium and Antioch, Pisidia and other places, uh, we must strengthen believers. And that's the very first practical matter that Paul and Barnabas take up. Look at verse uh, 36 says then after some days paul said to barnabas let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the lord and let's see how they're doing the goal was to strengthen the churches to strengthen the believers we see that this pastoral concern for churches that were in existence is at the heart of the letters that paul wrote that fills so much of our new testament uh, letters like Galatians and Ephesians, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, the lost letter uh, to the church at Corinth. Uh, the churches in Thessalonica and uh, Colossae and the Lystra Valley. We, we see that that Paul had a concern for the churches so that he would write letters. Here it's described as let's go back through those places where the churches have been birthed and let's strengthen the believers. If you go down to verse 41, it says, and they went through Syria and Cilicia strengthening the churches. You go on down to verse 5, it says, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. The goal uh, of our mission includes this practical matter of doing all that we can to help followers of Jesus and new churches, churches that we plant uh, whether they, we plant those churches in the seven cities of Hampton Roads or in Northern Virginia or up in Canada and in uh, Quebec or uh, 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 over into Edmonton, uh, whether we're planting churches in the Western states or planting churches in Malawi or uh, Malawi or uh, East Asia, wherever we're planting churches, we must have a concern that they are strengthened. In the faith, being strengthened in the faith is not merely uh, discipling believers to understand all the promises of God that we enjoy as part of His family. It's part of that, and and certainly that is a, a good bulk of what we learn every time we gather together to strengthen believers here as we gather. Here at First Norfolk, we want our family to be strengthened in understanding the promises of God and the power of God and the lifestyle that God calls us to live. We certainly want those things, but there is an added dimension to the church as we fulfill our calling. We don't just strengthen believers and strengthen churches to understand the promises of God and the power of God and the life God calls us to live, uh, but it's also strengthening them uh, so that they are filled with missionary followers of Jesus Christ. People like you and me who go to the cul-de-sac and around the corner and down to the ocean front, And we share the good news of God's rescuing love. We tell people who Jesus is. And as we strengthen the disciples and strengthen believers, we're strengthening them so that they fulfill the call. Every aspect of our church should lead a person who becomes a new believer uh, in a process by which they then are sharing their faith, sharing Jesus, telling others who Jesus is. Uh, This is the model that we have throughout scripture, especially in the New Testament, that God is calling us not merely to be a reservoir of great scriptural knowledge as a church, but rather as a church filled with the knowledge of God, we are pursuing with passion the evangelization of those who are far from God, telling others who Jesus is and how they can come into God's family. So the practical matter that we as a church must fulfill and that you play your part and I play my part uh, is we must commit to strengthen believers. That's for verse 36. The second um, a practical matter that comes uh, to the forefront in verses 37 through 39 is that relationships can be strained as a church fulfills her calling. Now, I just want you to lean into this because this is, uh, a lot of ink has been spilt about the separation that took place between Paul and Barnabas. Listen, verse 37 and following. It says, now Barnabas was determined to take with them John, surnamed Mark. Now hey, you remember John Mark was part of that first missionary journey and quickly into that first missionary journey, John Mark left the missionary team. And so Barnabas was determined to take with them. John called Mark, verse 38. But Paul insisted that they should not, take, uh, uh, should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. The contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. As always, Barnabas was motivated by mercy. Barnabas, uh, who we saw in Acts chapter 4, sell his possessions, give it to the church, who we saw in Acts chapter 9, come alongside Paul, uh, who was then Saul, and and mentor and coach and encourage him. Uh, This Barnabas was motivated by mercy when it came to John Mark. Uh, We see in one of the letters of, of the New Testament that Barnabas was also related to John Mark, but really it was the mercy and the compassion in Barnabas that longed to give John Mark a second chance. He was motivated by his nature that God had given him to relationally build a bridge to John Mark and give him an opportunity uh, to be on mission again. Paul, however, was motivated uh, by his uh, passion for the mission itself. And he did not count it wise or appropriate uh, to take with them on this mission the one uh, who had left them so quickly in their first mission. Uh, Paul was motivated by the mission itself and the component parts of that mission. Barnabas motivated relationally, Paul motivated missionally. They got into a fight. And there's no way to say it other than it was a heated discussion. It was a debate. It was uh, an argument. It was a knockdown, drag out, verbally at least. And Paul and Barnabas determined that the best course of action was they'll part ways. Now, this was probably very shocking to the church at Antioch. It may be shocking to you today to know that two men who were so committed to one another, who were so passionate in sharing uh, Jesus with a lost world, would get into a, a relational argument where they would part ways. But, but think about our lives. And even in our church, in our church, we determine that the why is God's glory, the what. Is fulfill the calling. The calling is to tell others who Jesus is. But there's a lot of distance sometimes between how you may see that happen and how I may see that happen. There's a lot of distance sometimes between how uh, someone that you're in life group with uh, determines that should take place and how another person in your life group determines how that should take place. And that can cause a relational strain. Relationships have been strained during COVID because not because of the gospel, but because of masks or uh, openings or closings or uh, vaccines. There's been a lot of uh, strain on the relationship when it comes to something as 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 significant as COVID, but something less significant than the gospel in the church. Uh, two good-hearted men, passionate to tell others who Jesus is, got into a fight and they separated ways. Um, That's going to happen. It's a practical matter that we need to understand as the church. Uh, I've been serving as pastor here for almost 18 years. At the end of July, beginning of August, it will be 18 years. And over those 18 years, I've watched and grieved as people saw things differently than the other members of our church. And They parted ways from 1st Norfolk. It didn't mean that they're not part of our family. It just means that they went on to uh, pursue the calling that God had given the church in a different way. The same thing happens here with Paul and Barnabas. They have a sharp disagreement, contention. Uh, But the value of that separation is now there are two teams going on mission. Barnabas goes to uh, Cilicia, uh, to Cyprus, and and Paul goes uh, to Cilicia and down to Derby and Lystra and Iconium. And, and so now there are two missionary teams. The, the The teams are doubled. The number of leaders developed to fulfill the calling are doubled. And so we see Paul takes Silas with him, Barnabas takes John Mark with him, and you have two missionary teams accomplishing the same goal in different ways, Uh, but it is for the glory of God. Now, another thing that is important to say about this is that Barnabas and Paul might have had this sharp disagreement, but they remained brothers in Christ. We see uh, in 1 Corinthians and we see uh, in Paul's letters where he uh, speaks fondly of Barnabas and he speaks fondly of John Mark they weren't divided forever there was uh, there was still that bond of brotherhood and family that they shared Uh, this is an important piece for us to remember that we are family and even though we may disagree about the how or the details and even though our relationships may be strained we remain family we're not enemies we're family and so we treat each other as family And we pursue with great passion the mission that God has given us, the calling. And that really is the third practical matter. So the first practical matter is we need to commit to strengthen believers. And the second is relationships are going to be strained. That second leads into the third practical matter, the mission must Continue the the fulfillment of the mission must continue. The church at Antioch didn't back up. They didn't say, "Oh well, Paul and Barnabas got in a fight. Let's just let's just go hide in a corner and let's let's not do anything." Ba- Paul didn't say, "Well, uh, Barnabas isn't with me, so I'm not going to I'm not going to go forward on my mission." Barnabas didn't say, "Well, Paul's not with me. I'm not going to go forward on the mission." No, the mission must continue. There still are lost people longing to know. Uh, the truth of life and its fulfillment. And the church is God's plan A to let others know who Jesus is so that they too, through faith in Christ, might be brought into God's family. And so the mission had to continue. I want you to look and, and see in verse 39 and for, uh, through 41, last part of verse 39. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. The church at Antioch continued to press forward in its mission, even though there was this sharp disagreement between two leading missionaries, the two leading missionaries of the church, they pressed forward to fulfill the mission. Uh, The more leaders were developed, the mission began to spread with even greater uh, force. The story of uh, these new leaders then takes shape in chapter 16. What we find is Luke, who was with Paul uh, on his missionary journeys, begins to focus on Paul, and in the book of Acts, we don't hear about Barnabas again. Uh, we know that he was active and that he pursued the mission and that he continued uh, to fulfill God's call. Uh, but in this book, uh, the, uh, the, the focus then turns fully to Paul and his new missionary team, Paul and Silas. And in chapter 16, uh, ver- uh, uh, we see he picks up another missionary named Timothy, a teenage boy, uh, maybe a little bit older than a teenager, but not much. And what we hear about, the, uh, about Timothy and the, uh, the, the, uh, the fulfillment of the call for the church, especially as it regards Timothy, helps us understand the fourth practical matter. Uh, the first practical matter, we must commit to strengthen churches. The second, relationships are going to be strained. The third, the mission must continue. And then the fourth practical matter that we find in this passage is we must let go personal preferences To fulfill the calling. Now, I want you to hear this because it's no small matter what we read in the first few verses of chapter 16. Listen. Then Paul came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Now, here it is Paul wanted to have him go on with him. So he took Timothy and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region, for they all knew his father was Greek. In order to fulfill the call, up to this point, Timothy had not been circumcised. Even though his mother was Jewish, his father was a Greek, he had not been circumcised. And that could be a stumbling block in reaching Jewish people. Uh, that would certainly limit some of the access that t- Timothy had uh, on the missionary journeys to the synagogues and the people of the synagogues. That would certainly be a, a, a barrier to uh, communicating the good news of Jesus Christ. So Paul took Timothy and said, uh, I, I want you to be circumcised. And Timothy was circumcised. In order to fulfill the gospel, the call of sharing the gospel, sometimes we have to take um, drastic measures to let go personal preferences in order to accomplish the gospel. This isn't talking about theological things. This isn't talking about doctrine. This is talking about personal, practical things. We let those things go in order to have a free freedom in sharing the gospel. Paul had Timothy circumcised. Now, that is letting go personal preference. Timothy determined that the mission, the calling, was more important than uh, his uh, not being circumcised. And so, he submitted voluntarily uh, to circumcision so that the mission, the calling, would have greater freedom in its fulfillment. What is it? What is your preference that you're holding on to that could be a barrier to the gospel? Oh, isn't it time for you to let go that personal preference in order uh, to have freedom in communicating the gospel with others? Is there something that you're holding on to, an ideology perhaps that is not doctrine or theology, but an ideology that is inhibiting you sharing who Jesus is with others, is there some form or tradition that you're holding on to that uh, for Paul, circumcision was nothing, 1 Corinthians 7, 19, Paul said circumcision is nothing. Uh, whether to do it or not do it was no big deal to Paul because it didn't mean anything anymore. We're under a new covenant covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, is there something that equates to nothing in your life that you're holding on to um, and it's a barrier to communicating the gospel to someone who is far from God. Isn't it time to let go personal preferences for the sake of fulfilling the calling? Paul uh, lived his life this way. Uh, he uh, wrote about it in First Corinthians chapter nine. I want you to listen, First Corinthians chapter nine verses 19 through 23. all right? It says Paul writes, For though I am free from all people, I have made myself a servant to all people, that I might win more people. To the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as One without law, not being without law toward God, but under the law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak I became as one who is weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all people, that I might by all means rescue some people. Now, here's the clinker. Now, this I do for the sake of the gospel that I may be a partaker of it with you. What is it that perhaps our church should let go of in order to win more people? Again, this isn't compromising doctrine or teaching or Bible, uh, but are there certain things, forms, traditions, uh, patterns, processes that we embrace uh, that we can let go Uh, in order to limit the obstacle of the cross before the watching world, before those who are far from God. Is there some aspect of our life? And, And please understand, this is something that I have to ask myself and something that I have to ask as pastor of the church. Are there certain things, personal preferences that I have or that we have that have become a barrier to the gospel? Is it not time for us, to let go personal preferences for the sake of fulfilling the calling. It's a practical matter, but it's so important. At the end of, of uh, this section, at, uh, as, as Paul is preparing for that second missionary journey, we see in verse 5 the result. Chapter 16, verse 5, So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and churches increased in number Daily, You see what happens when we take care of the practical matters in the church. When we, when we commit to strengthen the churches, they will be strengthened. When we understand that relationships will be strained, but the mission must continue, uh, then we will strengthen churches, and churches will be planted, and believers will be multiplied. Um, when, uh, when we let go of personal preferences for the sake of the gospel, to let others see who Jesus is, then churches will be strengthened and churches will be multiplied and believers will be added to the church each day. Today, I want to encourage you, just like I do as a husband to my wife, let's take care of the practical matters that we see in front of us. Let's take care of the practical matters that God has given us as a church so that we might be a part of this grand plan that God has to change the world. May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he bless your coming in, may he bless your going out, and may he fill your life with peace and purpose. God bless you and good evening.